Welcome to Ben and Eric's podcast, an opinion show about current movies and television. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Netflix's May-December, starring Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, and HBO Max's Scavenger's Reign, an adult animation um, that's currently sitting at number 13 on Eric's list, <laughs> list of the best shows of 2023. May-December can be described as 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation. A married couple buckles under the pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. Scavenger's Reign is about when the crew of a damaged deep space freighter gets stranded on a beautiful but dangerous planet. It's a wordy explanation, but I think that fits. We're going to start out with May-December, but Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ben. How's your break going? How are your grades? Uh, I haven't gotten them back yet. I had to fill out like course evaluations to get my grades back early and I didn't do them on time. So, uh, uh to get your grades early, you have to give a review, like, like of the class an Uber review, Uber, your Uber ride was great. Five stars. You have to give an, uh, a rating to the teacher. It's a little more complex than that, but yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and then if you do your reward is you get your grades early. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Well, I they guess- can't reward you with anything like real. They just withhold your grades for a little bit. Yeah, right. You feeling good about the semester? Yeah. Yeah, I think think it went well. I think classes ended up pretty well. Um, I got this book. My mom got me this book for the holidays. Uh, Uh, How Movies and TV Affect Everything. You Are What You Watch, How Movies and TV Affect Everything. She bought me the same book. Yeah, I know. She she said she got a pair (laughs) too. I have it on Kindle. I've started it. This is news for her because she won- she wondered how I liked it and I hadn't started it by the time she asked me mm-hmm. as a follow-up because I was in the middle of another book. Uh, but um, yeah, I've started it. It's good. I'm about one quarter of the way through it. Yeah. I saw some graphs in there that I thought were would be interesting. Yeah, which looks shitty on Kindle. That's my bad for not getting hard copy, but um, mm-hmm. you're, you're in better shape than me. Yeah, well, they look cool here. At least my Kindle. I think I've got a 10-year-old Kindle. Oh. Jeff Bezos built this one with his own two hands, I think. <laughs> yeah, back when his company was worth cents on the dollar. <laughs> um, so yeah, May-December is a new Netflix release. It is what I said it is. It's about like an actress, Natalie Portman, comes back to this or arrives in this town. It was filmed in Savannah, Georgia, by the way, uh, but arrives in this town and she is learning about this woman played by Julianne Moore who had a who was charged with rape i mean it's statutory rape and the story yeah. is this yeah she was convicted that's more important um the story is based on and i read this in the trivia of um imdb but i think it's important to understand because i i had no context of the story um, I didn't know who this woman was. I didn't know about the relationship, but it is a real relationship. And it's easy to figure out. I just didn't grow up with it. Like some people knew, like my mom, like knew who this was. Yeah. And um, it's it's based on the story of Mary Catherine Schmitz Letourneau Falau. Mary okay, Kay so, Letourneau is how people know her. Yeah, yeah, Mary Kay is how people is what people say apparently who in the mid nineties was an elementary school teacher in her thirties who raped a 12 year old student, uh, Vili Falau in 97. She pled guilty to two counts of felony, second degree rape of a child. Uh, they had two daughters and after she was incarcerated for several years for her rape, they were married. The marriage lasted from 2005 until 2019. Um, yeah, that's, he was 12. He was 12 when she started, um, abusing him essentially grooming him yeah and he and she was like 30 something maybe she was a fully grown adult um yeah it's kind of an insane story like i i can't say can we spoil it because it really happened like is that like a thing i guess it Um, yeah we can like okay I would, I would, I'm not going I would, to spoil it. I'm saying like it is possible to spoil it. Yes, sure. correct. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't want to do that. So I want to get started with like something else. So what did you think about the movie? How do you feel about it? I saw it maybe three or four weeks ago, and then I started to rewatch it. 
um, two days ago in preparation for this, and I couldn't do it. I, <laughs> I'm, and I, I'm in the minority with, the, with my belief on this movie, my opinion in the movie. Uh, I didn't, I didn't like it. I, I mean, I, it was, it was okay in parts. Um, it, it feels fairly empty to me. It, it, it feels like it's, it's, they're, they're trying to sort of squeeze drama where drama doesn't exist. It's just, it's a little creepy. You know, the story's a little creepy, but at the end, I just felt like it was pretty bland and just not a ton happened. And, um, I mean, I'll throw out the two dreaded terms of Oscar bait. It felt like, it felt like it was, it was meant to be a vehicle for Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore and even Charles Morton Melton, who plays a really good Joe in this as the, the kid who's grown up now. Um, I, you know, short and sweet, didn't like it. I can talk about some of the details that I did like, um, but it felt like, I don't know, it felt like it was made for other people. I've spoken to a couple friends, Gary, who listens to this. I think he watched it three times and loves it every time. I read reviews that people say, I mean, the, the, I guess the trendy thing to say is that this is the funniest movie of the year. Um, I didn't I, laugh once. I see that a lot because people like to comment about how sort of uncomfortable it is or the, the glances that are given and just sort of the, the tone deafness of Gracie Julian Moore's, Moore's character in this movie. It's just, I didn't find it funny. I didn't find it very clever. It's mostly creepy. And it's like, you know, I, I don't know. That's my first take. I'm curious what you thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought on those on similar lines. I liked it though. The first half of the movie is borderline unwatchable. It was boring. It almost like built to nothing. Um, I didn't care about it. No scenes to me stood out. Um, the camera work like was allergic to moving. I had a real problem with how they shot the first half. Um, I I didn't like the way it looked. Uh, it didn't feel like the performances were doing anything other than delivering exposition. I felt like it was a complete waste of talent, um, especially with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore's characters. Um, I just didn't get anything important from them in that first half. Then in the second, and that's when I stopped watching. Hmm. I, I stopped. I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to do something else. I'll get through it eventually, but I'm not doing this right now. I came back to it and I started up around like an hour in, like about halfway. And that's when I started like taking notes. And that's when I actually started like paying attention because things were actually building and things were actually calling my attention. So the first scene that stood out was Natalie Portman talking about sex scenes. Um, that might just be because Natalie Portman, um, well, Natalie Portman has had a very weird career in terms of sex. Uh, her career started with Leon the Professional. I was actually just talking about this last night with my friends, how creepy of a movie that is, because she's a 13-year-old, and she's hypersexualized by the director and the role that um, needs to be, like, the role that it, that she plays. And then there was a really creepy thing, like, people were, like, waiting until she was 18. There was, like, a big countdown until she was 18. <laughs> it was, like, crazy, and... I mean, in her developmental years of like 13 to 18 until she was an adult, quote unquote adult, like I'm an adult. Um, she was in the public eye and her sexuality was like def defined her pretty much as like a 13 year old girl. So that was kind of crazy. But then sh now she's like in her 30s and she talking about sex scenes was actually very interesting. Because that felt like her. It felt mm -hmm. like the actor Natalie Portman actually got to say something about acting, which was cool. She knows a, a ton about acting. Um, when, yeah, but my overall impressions of the movie, like, it didn't get good until an hour in. And frankly, I didn't feel like the story was really developed. Like, people who didn't know the story um, didn't, weren't, like, told the story. Like, I didn't learn anything about what happened at that time. Right. 
because Julianne Moore's character gets defensive over it in like a dinner and when when uh Natalie Portman asks asks about it so yeah it's it's kind of like I didn't learn anything so like what's the point of watching I, I will give you that shit starts to happen in the latter part of the movie and this and people probably know that it's Natalie Portman trying to just embed herself into Gracie's life here and Joe's life to understand them as people so she can play the role of Gracie in a movie that she's starring in. So she's trying to model her behavior and a lot of the best actress like trolling that she's doing for the the award is like modeling the lisp that, that Gracie has in the movie, right? And and her body language. And it's like, oh, look at Natalie Portman. She's becoming Gracie right in front of our eyes. It's like, oh, acting freaking freak of nature this this woman is. It, it, you know, I give it to her. It was good. I mean it was it was it was fine. fantastic. It was really good. It was fine. Can't was be understated fine. actually. But at the end of the day, it's like yeah, they all go through a bit of journeys. There's some infidelity that happens throughout the movie. Won't spoil that, but yeah. there's just like and and in in the movie, Elizabeth Natalie Portman is a shitty spouse. You can tell right from the very beginning when she's on the phone with with her significant other that she's a shitty spouse, mm-hmm. and she's you know she's looking to be disruptive. I think in Savannah for this yeah. visit, and you know. I, I will say a couple things that I did like about it. There were a couple scenes that um, were real flexes in how they were, how people were situated. You, you talk about the camera not moving. The two scenes that are that stand out most from that is when Elizabeth's, um, I'm sorry, Gracie's daughter is trying on dresses, and they're in the the dressing room waiting area. Both Natalie Portman and Julia Moore are waiting. Elizabeth and Gracie are waiting. And they're situated so that Julianne Moore, sorry, Gracie, let's just call characters. Gracie is sitting on one end of Elizabeth. And then there's there's like this mirror effect where the mirrors in the dressing room show Gracie again on the other side of Elizabeth. So essentially Elizabeth is sandwiched between two, two Gracies because of the way the mirrors are reflecting. And then throughout the scene, Natalie Portman starts to take on more of Gracie's mannerisms, her body language. She's modeling her behavior. And it's like, okay, I get it. I see what you're doing here. You're not moving the camera. It's, it's, it's a very cool effect and mission accomplished. Check. You did something pretty innovative as a director and you caught our eye and it was one shot and that was great. And that's fine. Do you guess how long that shot was? Can you take a guess? A minute and a half. Oh, see, I would have guessed like 10 minutes just because it felt like it went on forever to me. It was 240. So it was it was fine. It was good. And there was another scene later that everyone talks about where um, Elizabeth's learning how to how Gracie does her makeup. And yeah. it's a single shot again of head on of them looking into a mirror and um, Gracie starts putting makeup on Elizabeth again. One shot. It gets pretty dramatic the way the two women interact. It's a little cringy in the in the way the dialogue is. Um, it's somewhat confrontational, and it's everyone talks about that scene. It, it, was it was it super memorable to you? I mean, was I that wrote something? it down as like an important scene. Um, Why? Uh, because then she physically takes on the attributes of it. I can't tell you a word that either of them said to each other. Bingo. But that's because this sh- dialogue is shit. Okay, like. <laughs> Uh, the last two movies I've watched, the dialogue was disappointing. I just watched The Iron Claw too, which I don't know if we're gonna review. Probably hmm. not. I, I just I thought like a lot of the movie was really good, and then you get to dialogue, and I've never heard the word brother said more. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here, say a different word, or just stop being so damn like obvious i i don't know that was like really telling not showing dialogue this was a lot of so much telling not showing but i did like i did like that scene i wrote it down i was like that scene stood out i didn't write down why and i should have so that i could argue with you right now Mm. but i can't remember why and i watched it yesterday so So, i I don't know so i've won the argument maybe you, you might have a point yeah 
But I, I, like I can it, tell you, I yeah. can tell you that the end, and I won't get into it, but the argument into the monologue is by far the best part of this movie. Mm. That argument, the couple, the argument that the couple have, Elizabeth and or um, Joe and Gracie mm-hmm. have into Elizabeth's monologue, that is really well done. Elizabeth's monologue, I kind of got, I finally. So here's the thing. I subscribe to the idea that Roger Deakins has brought up that a shot like this right now is pretty wide. You can't really see it because the edges are cut off on the screen, but a lot of it's pretty wide. It gets a lot of my room Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of small in it, but here is like, I I look three dimensional, don't I? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, my nose looks a lot further in front than like the back of my head. Yes. That's what a wide shot does. There were a lot of long shots in this movie where mm. characters look flatter. They look more two-dimensional, mm. pressed up against the background and the foreground. And that really gives the kind of effect that you're looking at something from far away. But it, does, it, it really takes away the intimacy of the moment. Right. And Roger Deakins, a very, very famous cinematographer really subscribes to putting the camera very close to someone in a wide shot and getting like a two shot like this, but putting the camera in between. So one camera's looking this way and the other camera's looking that way. And that provides a real, a great deal of intimacy in his shots. Hmm. The only time I saw that work effectively in this movie was at the, is during the monologue. I got in this kind of trance and it was like, she was popping off the background and she was so three-dimensional and really there and really giving the audience this monologue. And I was like, wow, that's really well done. Congrats. It finally paid off. But it was, that was never done in the movie the right way. And I was really disappointed with how the movie looked a lot of the time before that. Interesting. So, the, the makeup scene also, would you feel they, they used that technique effectively in the makeup scene? Because that was pretty tight. And, and there were two people, so there was some depth to, to it. Yeah. So I got to imagine that was also, maybe that's why that stands out. I mean, literally it stands out because the rest of the movie is shot differently. They had, it it felt like I could see that, like I could really see that the characters were far away from the camera. And Mm. it was just like, why are we allergic to these characters? Yeah. There's not supposed to be this distance between us and these characters. I mean, these characters are all the story has. Mm -hmm. Let's be up close and personal. Let's be really subjective in the minds of these characters and get really intimate with these characters because why the hell else are you telling this story if it's not about these characters? Yeah. So those what, scenes stand out because it's kind of not done well in the rest of the movie. And the, the the subject matter of the movie is just, you know, pretty creepy. I mean, if these gender roles were reversed, it'd be <laughs> like, I mean, that's yeah, horrid. Instant death, actually. It's, it would be but, just... It's, it, he would have pedophile tattooed on his forehead by four four right. guys in jail. Right, right. So the the weird part is you've got the older female, the younger male, and you've got people in the movie, friends of Gracie, who are asking um, Elizabeth to, you know, be true to the story, show her in a good light, and like, you know, don't be don't be cruel with your your characterization here. And but it's it's creepy nonetheless and she's a groomer nonetheless and just weird rationalizations from that town it's like uh it, it was almost and you think about it had a horror movie feel to it for sure right like the opening scene the opening scene mm-hmm. of elizabeth driving into town the piano that's playing is a real ominous tone it is it is like halloween i mean you're you're smiling i think you're gonna say halloween but it felt like a horror movie with the way the piano was playing and it's just a real you know, creepy melody going on there. I was going to say that that melody is maybe one of the worst melodies I've ever heard. <laughs> I hated listening to it every time. It was so like clangy and obvious. Like I, we get it. You're putting in like low, low tones to be like eerie. Right. And like, Ooh, supposed to question what's going on here. It's right. Like, dude, please make something better. I don't know. And that, that, I felt like they were just trying to squeeze as much drama out of something that didn't have it. Yeah. And if you can't do that with good dialogue and really quality dialogue, then yeah, which was not there. Right. And then, so I think it's a fail. I mean, what I walked away with is like, 
we really don't have to make movies about everything. Like it felt <laughs> like they, they needed to make this movie for some reason. They wanted to tell this story. It didn't need to be told. And it's like there wasn't enough, there weren't enough events or activity to warrant a story. And it was a slice of these warped people's lives, including Elizabeth, Natalie Portman, because of, you know, big Hollywood coming in there to, to show people how to play these roles. And like, even that was, oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look for Oscar nominations for these two, for sure. Um, for Charles Melton as well. I hope he gets it. I don't, I, I never thought about Oscars for anything, any of this. Uh, it's it never want, I never read any reviews. I never once thought about the Oscars. So it's coming there. This was, this movie was built for that. I think Julianne Moore's not winning anything for this. Okay. You throw on a lisp and you can maybe win something. It Her felt- accent was all over the place. Are you kidding? <laughs> it was there. It was there. Some scenes. Like laid on thick some scenes. And then other times it was just like, that's Julianne Moore just talking. Yeah. She forgot it for days on end. The The film was shot in like 28 days. That's the thing about, uh, it was like 26 or 22 days. It was pretty short. That's the thing about movies like this is an, if an actor isn't 1000% ready on day one, you mm-hmm. can hear it. If their yeah. accent isn't a thousand percent like locked down on day one then you just hear it because the first week they're not sure what their accent is and there goes uh a quarter of your days that you're shooting and so a quarter of the scenes that you're in you're just speaking in a different like like accent Mm. like it's not consistent like are you kidding right so yeah she's not winning anything for that natalie portman might get nominated but i feel like this this film was just so low budget i don't know i it doesn't look like a Hollywood movie to me. This just looks like Todd Haynes crawling out of whatever hole he came out of to make this movie. I mean, people, I haven't seen um, Carol, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. Uh, people really love that movie. I'm assuming if I saw it, I'd really like it too. Congrats to Todd Haynes for making a widely celebrated, good looking movie. Um, but yeah, I don't. he didn't make much else. Um, he was working with a cinematographer that he had the had that he hadn't worked with. He had been working with the same guy apparently for like 20 plus years and he wasn't available or they couldn't do it and he was working with a different cinematographer. So I was going to say the cinematography in this movie is not up to par. It's not the cinematography Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore should be working with, frankly. That was just that was like obvious to me. It's like so many they are in so many great movies with great directors and cinematographers that make them look so good and just and take away everything else and it's just a performance and it's like and the people who work behind the scenes make it look right and make it look like they're really working behind the scenes but then disguise their work as like this is just how it looks that didn't happen on this movie yeah uh i was distracted by bad cinematography uh and it took away from the performances so Frankly, I, I don't know if they're going to win. I, well, you've got, you talk about Carol, 2015, eight years ago. Um, it got Best Actress and Supporting Actress nominations for Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. So I, I think that's just Todd Haynes' thing. And here we go. We're going again with the same thing, which is, um, and, and I, I can't speak about Carol. I didn't see it. I wanted to. I didn't see it. Um, uh, sort but of we're a game pretty sure it's good. Story. That's why you tune in, guys. We're pretty sure Carol is a good movie. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, we we've now seen this. I've seen it one point two times. Uh, yeah, because I I could only get through the two <laughs> scenes that I really wanted. To see. It was just it's just. Hard I can't to believe watch. you watched it in full the first time. I can't. It's it almost. I mean, you look at the reviews on IMDb and and Letterbox, and it's like, again, I'm in the minority on this one. People just think it's genius and. Oh. Yeah, I, people have never I, seen a movie. Eric. When I do see Gary, he's going to explain to me again how he saw it three times and how he loved it three times. And each time it got better. It's like, I, I'd love I'm for re- Gary to reach out. I'm ready to have that discussion. So, you know, I'll, uh, I'll get you on FaceTime <laughs> next time he and I are together. We should have invited him on the pod. He would have been a great guest. <laughs> he would have been a known. good guest for this. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah. One thing I will say, you mentioned the professional, um, 1994, uh, Gary Oldman is in that who plays a young gangster assassin type, and he is incredible. 
he's he's well along in his career now in slow horses and this is one of the first roles was in the professional in 94. Mm -hmm. uh jesus that's uh 30 almost 30 years ago but that, as you said natalie portman's first first movie that movie is outstanding that is a goddamn classic that movie it is so good um so i i recommend people see that if they uh they did dig natalie portman because that yeah, yeah also it, if you dig kind of creepy movies um that's... yeah it was it was more of an assassin you know chase story i i, I thought that was great uh, it's also a pretty creepy movie i don't remember that part but uh yeah it's a pretty obvious part she dresses up as different actresses and tries to seduce um yikes yeah leon the professional so yeah, it's um there's some theories that Leon is autistic a little bit um because he's kind of non mm. he's kind of like doesn't communicate very well or make eye contact all that much and um also drinks milk like is very ritual uh based and so like I don't know. That's a theory thrown out by one of my friends who remain anonymous but it probably um it might have some truth to it. I don't know. It's it's weird. The relationship between him and the thirteen-year-old girl—it's very strange. Agreed. Okay, I'll take your your word there. So yeah, um, this movie also yeah really can't be understated, even though the movie definitely understates it. The relationship between an adult and a young person of like twelve and thirteen years old is highly illegal, and yeah. she is a rapist, and she went to jail for years because of it, and. It was in the tabloids. I think that's why the people in the town are so sympathetic is like she was in the tabloids and she was a national scandal. And like, yeah. you know, this kind of thing kind of happens to like gender swap. Like it, it happens and they just go away quietly and they just rot in jail for a little while and maybe get like shanked because they're a pedophile. And that's the worst crime you can do in a prison. But Yeah. It's really um, understated that their relationship started and she was pregnant. She was impregnated by like a 12 year old kid had the baby in jail. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yep. Pretty fucked up. One last tidbit just to end on a stupid, uh, innocuous note here. Guess how tall Natalie Portman is. Uh, don't look it up. Five, two. Really? Answer's yeah. five, three. That's a good guess. I did not know she was that short. Yeah, it doesn't seem that tall to me. That's that, that's short. Five two short. She's Julian five. Moore can't be that much taller, right? Uh, I don't know. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, all right. We also, should, we... I would like yeah. to end on another stupid innocuous note. Go ahead. Um, when they have oh, okay, five three. Julian Moore five three. They're both five three. Would you look that's at wild. that? Then that guy must not be that. Uh, uh, Joe or Charles Melton must not be that tall as an actor. He looks huge to me. By the way, his like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. His IMDb photo is like, th there's this thing going around, Eric, and I don't know if you know about this. It's called look max, looks maxing. All right. It's called what? Give it to me again. Looks maxing. Okay. You're maxing out on your looks, right? Okay. So there's there's a few there's a lot of theories going around on Reddit on how to looks max, right? And the general theory is like the harder you work at it and like the more in shape you are, like the better you look. It's it's a it's kind of a incel theory. Like it's funny because they go to very far extremes with what they do sometimes. Like and it in a funny way. Anyways, there's this thing in mewing where it's like you you try to like tighten your jawline by pressing your tongue to the roof of your mouth. Okay. Yeah, I can't and talk like that though. I can't talk. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people like go on mewing streaks for like sixty hours, and they're like, can't talk, and they like point to their jawline. I think I just hurt myself. <laughs> okay, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> um, basically, his IMDb picture looks like he's mewing really, really hard. That's, he has like a that's super a wide jawline, jawline right there. That is a sharp jawline. But when he's shirtless in this movie, after yeah. yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember this scene I'm talking about? I do. Yes. Yes. He looks like a slob. Yeah. He's yeah. right next to Natalie Portman. Okay. Well, I just spoiled it. Whatever. He's right next to Natalie Portman, who's like laying there, like, paint me like one of your French girls, like, 
looks perfect, like a supermodel, like an A-list celebrity who's going to shoot this movie. Looks exactly the type. And then he's just there, like, slumped with his belly, like, falling over his waistline. And it's like, Jesus Christ, man. He looks like a he looks like a two compared to her, and he's not. He's not like you look at pictures of him, and he's in like really great shape, and he's got like a fantastic jawline in this photo, and is really attractive. Yeah. And then in this sex scene, he just goes he just goes the opposite way. He just like gets really fat. Like is that on purpose? I don't know. I don't know. He's six one by the way. While we're doing height, wow, towered over. There. Wait, but. Didn't he seem like not that much taller than them? I, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe maybe you got a, some camera work uh, intel on that. How that was not really showing off the delta there. If you're looking for like a really hot Charles Melton, you're gonna have to go somewhere else because he's not in this movie. And I was not looking for that, so we're all good. He's from Riverdale. Um, yeah, which is why people think he's really hot because he's in a show of just hot people uh-huh. doing like stupid stuff. Okay. Which is Riverdale. Why people watch Riverdale. All right. I would like to talk about May, December one more time in my life when <laughs> Gary uh, corners me. But other than that, I'm, I'm done talking about this movie. Okay. Yeah. I guess award season, we'll have to talk about it again. And Maybe. Uh, at least we won't have to watch it again. I don't, please don't make me watch this again. Of course not. I'm not going to watch it again. Oh my God. I couldn't, I really intended on doing that. I had time, I had full two hours to give to it a couple days ago. And, uh, no, there's no need to watch your movie twice. Yeah. I faked it. You can even skip the first hour. I'll let people know, read up on the story. Here's how you watch it. You read up on the tabloid and you're like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. And then you start right at the hour mark and you're like, Oh, cool. (laughs) Great podcast. That was a good hour long movie. This is how you can cheat in movie watching. Okay. Exactly. That's why people tune in. All right. Well, that's it for May, December. Uh, we're going to go to HBO's Scavengers, Scavengers Reign uh, right after this short break. And we're back. But first, an ad read. Um, I have something to say for this ad read. Uh, first off, go, go to DirtySue.com. Buy your premium olive juice, your cocktail accessories. Use code Ben and Eric uh, for 10% off. This episode is airing on the 31st. It's the last day. To order something for the holiday season. Get get it in now. You'll get 10% off using code Ben and Eric. Ben and Eric. And support uh, small businesses. Support your local content creators. Um, but I just, I would like to say to all the listeners, all the loyal listeners who have been waiting for me to try a martini. <laughs> I finally had one. My dad made it for me. He used gin and vermouth and, um, and Dirty Sioux olive juice premium olive juice and it was terrible i hate gin it was disgusting it smelled like lavender um but that was really bad it tasted like fruity and like not good um great ad read by the way this is good our advertisers love this i'd love to point out though that i tried the olive juice on its own and that is incredible olivey it tastes super briny it's perfect like it would be perfect as a chaser as a bunch of other things um, but yeah, I just, I don't like martinis. <laughs> they just suck. Um, maybe if you like martinis, you'll definitely love a dirty martini. Um, yeah, I didn't want to do, I didn't want it at all. Good. We, we should probably chat about your, your review of martinis before we started this ad read. We could have maybe, you know, this is as honest as it gets though. The people will appreciate this. Yeah. I, will I say want olive juice in my, in my home and in my cocktail accessory kit. Do- I don't want martinis. That's all. Okay. All right. As a martini drinker, I will say this is a necessary ingredient for mar- for martinis, um, especially if you like olives. It doesn't get better than the olive juice that that Et and his team have put together in in Dirty Sue um, olive juice. And so there's other ways to do it. You could you have this this olive back, which is like a, a whiskey and a shot of of olive juice behind it. Um, and I mentioned the one that that you put in a uh, tequila to make a dirty um, senorita, I think it was called. So yeah, there's different ways to have it. Uh, you don't if you're a 19 year old trying a martini for the first time, not the best audience I think for this drink uh, because it took me years to to appreciate this. You could also try it with vodka. So 
Maybe you should. Um, that's a little bit of a cleaner. Yeah. My mom did um, suggest that liquor. Get so rid you of could the try gym. that, and then yeah. come on the podcast next time and tell us how you hated that too. That'd be fun. <laughs> I'll probably actually. I'll probably like that. I'll probably like it. <laughs> well, let's, let's try that and and not diss our uh, our advertiser. We love Dirty Sue. We love ET. Oh, the team. product is as premium as it gets. There's no doubt about that. There you go. There you go. So, but the uh, the martini lobby is really pissed at you now. So they're they're yeah, not going to advertise right. with us. Actually, I did have some of my friends uh, buy some stuff, I f and I feel like maybe it's because I've heard from everyone that's that bought it using yeah. our code. But I feel like a lot of people did actually support the the sale, and I yeah. feel like a lot of people did come out and yeah, we'll get a report in a week or so. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, maybe we're going to quietly become millionaires here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> We just keep pushing this product. We had a we had a good thing going until you just shit on martinis. So no, you know, no, that's going to boost we were... sales. People are really going to see this and be like, "I'm buying it today," because he's honest. He's so honest that Ben. That's what people want. All right, well, let's get into scavengers' rain. That's a long ad read. We just put like two minutes in. <laughs> um, so scavengers' rain is an HBO Max um, original. It's created by Joe Bennett and Charles Whitner. Um, Quitner? Yeah. This is cool. kind of a story. It follows a few different people. By the way, Eric, I've seen the first four episodes oh. of a 12-episode series, so I kind of stuck to the rule. I saw a mm -hmm. third. I usually see between a third and a, and a fourth of the show. I saw a third because I really, really liked it. Um, You said I would like it. I texted you I liked it after watching it, and I wanted to keep watching it, and I didn't. So we're reviewing it. I've I've watched four episodes and I'm really enjoying it. Um this concept was first pitched to Adult Swim by the co-creators um Joe Bennett and Charles Whitner. Uh and they produced a short called Scavengers. And if you can imagine it's about this planet with a lot of symbiotic relationships. Um there's a lot of interaction between like humans and animals. The planet is dangerous, and it's the same kind of art style. So if you want to, you can check that out. It's on, like, Vimeo. Um, but, yeah, I just – this is a really kind of under-the-radar show. I don't know much about it. I didn't know anything about it at all before you listed it on your top 20 – or top, top shows of 2023. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm really glad you did. This is a fantastic series. Yeah, I came to it because a lot of the podcasters I listen to about movies and TV, uh, one of them mentioned this, and um, uh, I respect his opinion, so I gave it a shot. And it's definitely not in my wheelhouse. It's not in my demo. It's it's the animation is, you know, it's it's choppy. It's not the highest quality. There's another one on HBO I think now it's called the Style though. Well, there's one called Blue Eye Samurai, which I gave a shot at two episodes, an adult animation show that just looks incredible, looks gorgeous. And this is, yeah, it's a different style, different style animations. It's a little jumpy in the way they do it, um, almost stop motion-esque. Um, but you, you, you're basically following like four or five um, stranded parties on this this uh, planet. Some of the the parties that you're following are pairs and some are solo and they are going through different stages of where the fuck am I? How do I get back to the ship? And I'm comfortable with my surroundings and I'm not comfortable in my surroundings. And these crazy animals and, and creatures and plants are trying to kill me or I've got, I've got it all figured out and I know how to deal in this strange world. <clears throat> and the acting is great as much as you can act in this. I mean, the way these, these characters interact and the writing is really, really keeps the series going. That's where the heart of this series is. It's in the relationships between some of these characters. And then the ones that are solo, it's in their flashbacks and the relationships that they have in their past that they bring to their experiences that they're going through alone on this planet. Yeah, and some of their illusions. standout actors are um, uh, Unmi Mosak Mosaku, who is in Black Mirror. She's in Luther. British act, British actress, she's great, and uh, Alia Shawkat. Shawkat. Oh, I was going to mention her. Damn. I keep fucking up that pronunciation. I can never get it right. From Arrested Development and Search Party, you know her from. Um, yeah, she's I love her in Arrested Development. 
What's that? Yeah, I yeah, love her. She's, she's amazing. She's hilarious. She's very funny. She plays um, actually a robot in this. Uh, Levi is the robot. Yeah. And to Ozzy's uh, Wunmi, she plays Ozzy, and they're kind of paired up in this. Um, and then there's Sam and Ursula as another party that's trying to make their way back, and Cayman, who's a bit of plays a bit of the villain in this series, and he's running solo, and he's got a pretty fucked up journey on yeah. his own. Um, Cayman is my favorite character so far. It's pretty warped. It's pretty warped, and some crazy shit happens to him and to the rest of the, the crew here. Um, and then we get some outsiders, you know, who are making their way in and think they got everything figured out when they don't and it, it's just really well done it keeps moving uh the story keeps moving forward as you you know i think if you were to follow one group or maybe two groups in this series i would probably bail on it uh because i don't think there's enough there but as you're bouncing between three and four groups in each episode you're really moving along nicely because in 26 minutes you can hit a lot with four different teams as you're going across all four. Yeah. I mean, great TV shows really do that super well. Like one of the shows that I've noticed is the Sopranos. Like you'll just not see characters for whole episodes and you'll, you won't miss them because there's so many other characters with such a rich story that like, you're so wrapped up in that. And then you're just like, Oh, Christopher is also here. Like what the fuck is going on over there? And like, and so that show does this really well. um, Bouncing between, not really A, B, C, or D plots, but like all of these different stories and winding them together and folding them into one another until I'm assuming at the end, like a lot of them, like the stories kind of get folded into one mm-hmm. and turn into something like different with all these different interactions coming to like these different interactions, uh, experiences coming together as one and trying to get off the thing, the, um, planet trying to get up into space so you get a lot of great backstory too so they do have a lot of flashbacks they get into which um add a ton of context to why some of these characters are good why some are evil um and you know what they brought with them onto the planet that they're trying to to you know get through and live through and and um redeem themselves so really just just a solid series there's there's rumor that it's it's already got a season two but they haven't really announced it yet so there's there's talk of that um i hope it does i mean the exciting thing about it as you go through each episode is that they're all going towards the same goal which is i got to get back to the people that i that that i landed with and get off this planet um so you're they're all driving towards something but at the same time it's like you know the cliche it's it's the people you meet along the way you know it's the journey that is where the real story is and it really is truly there. And this planet throws a bunch of weird shit at you. And um, a lot of it are metaphors for just like climate change too. Like, yeah, if you want to be cruel to this creature that's not um, being cruel to you, then there's going to be some payback, you know? So yeah. just be be gentle, be kind, and you'll probably do okay. Um, and use your resources wisely and and don't be um don't be wasteful and there's uh, like each each episode there are not two there are a few not in your face metaphors and lessons and you know you don't you don't have to look too closely to find them but they're there and they're solid because you're sort of living through the experience like oh i just came across a really fucked up little rodent what do i do and you watch the character do it and then you learn the lesson at the back end of that and it's it's great it's wonderful and um like i said it's it's not too preachy it's just it's just really well done because no one's seen the shit that i've seen on the screen you know before it's mm-hmm. like i i've never seen yeah it it's like it's it, you really get the sense that it's creators and it's artists and it's actors are like really hungry and willing to serve this like idea of creating something bigger than themselves and creating something that's like really meaningful and and like earned you know they're not just buying names buying big names so that people will watch and like throw something sloppy together and make a make a few bucks along the way like Mm -hmm. these people are really out it feels like to create something that they're proud of 
And that's always fun to watch. Like that'll never be not fun to watch. Like people who make what they make and don't get a chance to do it on a big platform and then do when they, when they are able to make something that they're proud of, it, it really, it always comes through whether you like it or not. It's like, wow, those people really worked hard on it. So props to them, the creators and everyone who got this move, got this show made. I would like to mention the world building. Uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but for people who really love that kind of stuff, the fantasy sci-fi, like world building of different planets, um, that stuff is really, really, really thought out. Um, this, the making of this show was a long process between like pitching it as like a short that was in 2016. So like it's now coming out in 2023. It's been a long time. Like it's been seven years in development kind of, but really like these people have had these creative and hardworking people have had the ability to think about and edit and improve on their ideas when building this world and I forget what the planet's called. If you have that on the top of your head, it could. Vesta. Vesta? Vesta, V-E-S-T-A. Yeah. So the planet Vesta is really, really an interesting planet. And not to sound cliche, but like it's another character. You know, yeah. the animals and the plants and the processes that happen on this planet really impact the characters and take us through, like take us on the journey with the characters because you're not in control. Like there's a lot of different natural processes that are happening that are completely indifferent to your existence. And if you get in the way, they'll stomp you out. Or like, if you help, then like things will run smoothly. But the, the world in this, the, the world is really another character and not really another storyline, but something that can always be discovered. And like, mm -hmm something that you can find really interesting and plays a big role in these different stories. So, yep. And you said you watched four episodes. There's one coming up episode six. It's titled the fall. Yeah. People and really like that. It's one of like the best action scenes I've seen in T on TV. It's just so well done and so tense and so dramatic. It's just like, you know, as people are really, um, really ramping up their their desire to get back to where they think a ship is that can help them um and they're trying to uh to be one with nature and not get eaten by nature at the same time so it's it's really well done so there's and obviously they the season in the 12 episodes drive towards them trying to coalesce as a group so you're really anxious learning all the backstories of these characters and how they're going to interact when they eventually do see each other if they do um is just you know, really excellent, excellent yeah. work. Um, yeah, these are also really smart characters. Like the mission that they set out on that went awry and where they crash landed in this planet. That happens in like the first few minutes of the first episode. Like that's not a spoiler. So they basically all crash land in these escape pods and not a lot of the crew make it. And um, and they and then they kind of cut to like months later, they've been surviving. The people who are still alive have found a way to continue to live and are trying to get out. So that's kind of like the backstory. That's the general gist of where the problem is. But there's also a little bit of anti-capitalism, which I like. It's like oh, here um, we go. people will like these people who are in space where we all we've all seen space movies and we all know a little bit about space. It's trying to kill you at all times. Human beings were never meant to live in space um it's a endless it's a vacuum that we cannot organic life cannot survive in um there's no oxygen there's no carbon it's it's dead it's desolate so it's this company that's sending these people out these very smart and qualified people but sending these people out in space with a paid salary and so people are making decisions not based on the survival of the craft but based on the retention of their salary, which can and does endanger the lives of others. So in the first four episodes, I kind of got, there was some gist of like, ah, the big company doesn't have like, doesn't have the worker's best interests at heart, especially because it's expensive to go out in space and retrieve those workers on the possibility that they're still alive. And so like in the beginning, one, uh, some character, like someone like, reads out like oh this ship is unaccounted for 
And they're like, well, hopefully they're all dead because no one's going out to save them. And that's in like right. the first five minutes. And that's like, ooh, that's cold. Yeah, it, it, big business is behind all a lot of this stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it is cold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and like, like I said before, it's not, it's not in my wheelhouse, but good storytelling and solid characters and good relationships between characters is in my wheelhouse. And that's what this is. Like, they could make this into a live action movie for sure. Mm. And it would probably be great. Ben says no. Ben, unless it's way, like the Mandalorian an audio, this is an audio format. So it's better if you say the word no than just shake your head. <laughs> okay. Some people are watching on video. We have like six people watch on video. We do? We actually have six people watching on well, video? Sometimes we have like two, and then sometimes we have like <laughs> five. So I don't know. But I, well, uh, that's the Couldn't thing. I, I see, I see you. Be? Well, I see you, and uh, you see me, so I shake my head in response to that. Got it. Um, I, I think it could be something like The Mandalorian, like if they really mm-hmm. spent a ton of money, but they don't have Disney backing them. Like this is not a big budget, big production house, big stars are not on this set. Like they are working with what they've got and what they've got is really great animators, really great ideas and actors that, uh, that really know what they're doing. And when you've got all that, like they just put it to work. They worked as a team and have, and created something without, some big name to advertise it, which is why it gets on people's list of things you need to watch. But it's not something that gets on the front page of streaming services mm-hmm. because it's not a show that needs to make that much money. It's not a show that needs to draw people into the service. It's not a show that's going to make people buy HBO Max, which is why these shows don't get made very often. And if they do get made, they get made for a low budget because a big production house doesn't need this kind of show to draw people in and make people subscribe to their service. So this is one of those shows where it's not just a churn and burn. It's not a former cable TV show that got placed on a streaming service. It's a real original or they're really trying to like get in the art house kind of like uh production style of, but like, also, it's kind of a big budget because it is a, a animated. It, it is animated, but anyways, I digress. This is a, this isn't like a show that people might be talking about. So I'm glad we're talking about it, and I'm glad you brought it up and put it on my plate to watch because my life is yeah. better after watching this movie. Oh, good, and it's definitely got some abstractness to it um, that I think you'll dig. Um, also. It's a little bit of a warning too. It's it's pretty violent too, and it's pretty gruesome in some areas. Um, what pe- what these characters go through. I mean, yes, it's animated and it's not like you know, true blood and blood and gore, but it's um, it's it's pretty intense sometimes. Yeah, so. it's not quite it's not quite gore, but it is definitely like graphic. Yeah, that's um, good. There's certain parts, but there's also definitely the disbelief that this is real like well i know that those are that's like an intestine right there but like it's drawn doesn't really look like an intestine would so it's it's all good um the one who plays the woman who plays ursula um in the movie in the show who's kind of palling around with sam Mm -hmm. um is played by sunita mani i i definitely want to mention her because um she's in every episode she's got big roles she yeah, was she's very good she was in everything everywhere all at once played um queen yeah but i don't, I don't know who her character was so i queen. can't really I feel like i feel like that was like the one with the uh the bagel towards the end i think that's no that's that was no because isn't that an older no. woman yeah um she was one of the wrestlers in glow that wrestling uh show um that was canceled that was really good um Anyway, this is me reading IMDb. This is fascinating stuff. So yeah, I, I couldn't. Uh, expert, I couldn't remember the role that uh, that person plays. She's she, really good. The acting is great. The characters yeah. are wonderful. See Scavengers Reign. Big fan. Yeah, yeah, we both are. Um, yeah, this isn't like I feel like not people won't check it out, but people haven't checked it out because it's not a big. There isn't a big name to attach to it, mm-hmm. and it's like I get it. Like big names are talented. Like. But then again, big names also do what big names always do. And it's like they do bigger projects. 
So when you get a project like this, that's like smaller, it's like, uh, this is really like, this is art for art's sake, if that's possible. Deep. Uh, one other tip on this, um, a little bit off the wall, but, um, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that the, the legal age for buying marijuana now in the state of Maryland is 21. You don't have to have a prescription. Uh, it's not just medicinal mar marijuana. It's any adult 21 or over can buy marijuana and use it in their home. So speaking from experience, I can say that this show went down easier that way <laughs> um, because it is so trippy and you do want to kind of get lost in the world. And um, I don't do that a lot for, for things I watch, um, but this, this paid off. It really it worked. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good mix. I will say that. No, that's nice. So, you would think the roles are reversed. Like I would just, I would advertise like, yo, get high and watch this shit. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad that it's the 50 something that, uh, that's advertising getting high and watch this, watching the show. I haven't I done that, mom and dad. I good. haven't done that, but I good. have appreciated this this show a lot. So yeah, it's that kind. Of, I mean, it's that kind of show. I can't do that for a Christopher Nolan movie, but I I could do it for this show. So yeah, you certainly could. Um, yeah, this movie, that, this show no, is very. I'm going, I'm going to prison, but uh, let's move on. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it for Scavengers Reign in May December. Um. Yeah, let us know. Uh, we love audience interaction. I feel like we haven't said this a lot on the podcast, but we love when people give us feedback, talk to us about what they want to see on the podcast, talk to us about what they like about the podcast, what we might be doing wrong, what we might be missing if we like if we don't describe a movie very well uh, or a show and people want more background, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, let us know. Uh, we have comment. You can comment on Spotify and I think maybe you can comment on Apple. You can also hit us up on Instagram um, at Ben and Eric's podcast. Uh, yeah, check Let's us out. Go, give give us give the email address as well because we I'm, we're getting texts now the day the show drops from shout out to Scott to Brad to Gary. Um, love to give us comments and that's great. But um, you know, don't just send me an email. Send it to <laughs> to the the podcast and then we will upon getting your permission, maybe read a couple on the air. So what is our email address? Our email ben? is uh, Ben and Eric's podcast at, at gmail.com. Gmail Good. Yeah. So interact with us there for sure. If you haven't rated and reviewed this podcast, um, please do. It helps us. Um, and it'll help recover from the, uh, the martini review that, <laughs> that we just gave on this, on this pod. That will be the highlight of this podcast. <laughs> Um, ben finally right. does an ad read after like 20 episodes. May, December. I'm looking forward to the next movie review that we do where we can we can come back from this. And, yeah, and we uh, can review a movie I'm, we both like. I know I'm going to get skewered for this review too. No, you're not. So I really don't I think people should like this movie as much as they do. Letterboxd. I, I try to like this movie and I can't. And everyone who's a film buff says I'm wrong. I I will defend you and I'll die on this hill with you because Thank this you, movie man. really isn't worth all that. Yeah, they think it's 3.9. That's ridiculous. Sean Fennessy gave it four and a half stars. He's yeah, kind of stupid. You. Chris Ryan, four stars. <sighs> Sorry, I just I'm shit on I'm going two and a half. Where are you going with this? I'm going two and a half. I would, I would put it somewhere at that because the first half was simply unwatchable. Um, yeah, people rated it like highly. Zach, three and a half. You know, that's understandable. Um, this movie was finishable, my, my but son? it really... My son, Zach? Yeah. Oh, three and a half. Okay. This movie was finishable, but honestly, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I would not have gotten to it. I would have turned it off after an hour because it was mm. bad and not worth my time. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I don't get how people sat through this at Sundance and was like, woo! Like, you know, which made Netflix buy it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, did, I don't see it at all with this movie. Um, there's so many other good holiday movies, movies that have come out in the last few whatever weeks also if you don't want to see it watch like a classic movie watch something from like the 70s yeah like go go into some history like watch something interesting <laughs> not this movie um i wouldn't recommend it except if you're watching it my way which is start an hour in after reading up on the story 
because yeah, the professional I love. You want to see a good Julianne Moore movie? See Children of Men. If you haven't seen Children of Men, that's outstanding. You can also see Magnolia. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. I haven't watched it. Oh but no, 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 no! I know that Julianne Moore is in it. And she's oh. like, I give these things to you. Is that the Tom Cruise? Yeah. Tom Cruise. Oh yeah. I, yeah, but he, I couldn't finish that. I couldn't. He finish plays it. like an awesome character. Mm. The character's like such oh, yeah. a dick. He's such an oh. outrageous douchebag, but also predicting the future for all of these guys to do exactly what he does yeah, just yeah, on yeah. Instagram. So like, yep. yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, watch something worth your time. <sighs> Skip May, December. Agreed. Uh, but to be fair, Natalie Portman's very good in it. If she won an Oscar, which I don't think she will, but if she won, I wouldn't be that mad. I I would bet a thousand dollars that one of them gets a best that that there's a best actress and or best actress supporting actress nomination coming. At least one of those will be coming for this movie. Yeah, I hope it's not Natalie Portman. She's the only person that should be rewarded for this movie. I bet I bet both of them are going to get a, no a way. Nomination. Julianne Moore wins for this movie. She doesn't win. She's going to get a, a best. A, I don't think she's going to get nominated. nominated. All right. Maybe they're we'll just, you know what, if, if she does, we'll it's in, tape later. if she does, it's indicative of a problem in Hollywood where women don't have roles that are actually important because this is not an important story. This is not an important role. This is not a good role. Um, Julianne Moore just kind of took it. I don't know. Uh, Oscar bait. You, maybe. You, she's got a lisp. She's a despicable character. Boom. But they didn't even get coming. into the despicableness of her character, right? Yeah, it's built in. It's built in, but I didn't get it because I didn't know the story. So I didn't know the full extent of her punishment. I didn't know the full story. It's not well done to make her character seem like an asshole. So there's not a lot of characterization, direct or indirect, that's very effective. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. You're making me hate on this movie more than I hated it. Yeah, we circle back on it again. Why is it called May-December? Do you know why it's called May-December? You know what? I heard a fucking theory that it came out on Sundance in May and and it was released in Netflix in December. Oh, get out. That's why I, I, I read that on IMDb. I swear to God. And that happened. It premiered in May and was released on Netflix in December. I don't think that's why it's called that. I have no idea why it's called that. How about this? But both of those things happened. The title May December refers to the noticeable age gap with May symbolizing youth and December representing the older partner. It's so I'm going to try not to vomit now. It's a terrible title. Anyway, I like your, I like your, your, uh, you would watch it if it was just the second half, right? Uh, I guess it's still cringy as fuck. I don't know. (laughs) But you lived through it. Like, do you remember it? Uh, yeah. I remember that story when it hit the tabloids and it was gross and whatever and sensational and everyone was, you know, clamoring for more news on it. But like at the end of the day, it's just icky. Yeah. It is. So we didn't need this movie. We didn't need it. Nope. And I guess, you know, the Academy Award needs it. So we'll watch that. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is probably going to get nominated. You're right. I can't think of many other roles for that. Like women stood out in this year. It's coming. Maybe. Maybe. They each get one. one. I'm going to be. I'm going to be talking about how goddamn smart I am on that next pod. Yeah, we should do an Oscar pod. Uh, let us know if you want us to do an Oscar pod, or if we you even, or if you're even listening an hour into this. Let us know. Uh, we love... stopped listening about ten minutes ago. Okay, fantastic. So <laughs> we actually don't blame you at all because one of our hosts has stopped engaging in this podcast ten minutes ago. Um, so yeah, I, we should do an Oscar pod because I would love to, like, I this is an opinion show, right? Like we we, talk, we say that in, I say that in the beginning, like. This is an opinion show, and what's more opinionated than what should win an Oscar? It's totally arbitrary. The Oscars have been like a terrible system for rewarding actually good work, but you know that they are what they are. Well, oh, I, I got, I got nothing left. Yeah, <laughs> watch like uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Don't watch May December. That is an unrelated but good movie. Yeah, it's just people want. There's so many good movies. This can't count itself among. among you know, them. just quickly, just the the my la- the last movie I saw um, was Christmas Night. Uh, Julie bought us all the four of us, me, Jesse, Paige, um, herself for 
It's a Wonderful Life on the big screen in the Bird Theater in Richmond, which uh, I'm going to make this up. The Bird Theater was built in the year 1057. <laughs> um, and it was it like had an old time organ player who played for 10 minutes before the movie. Like that's cool. like like, you know, the pipe organ stuff. It was like you were in the 50s watching It's a Wonderful Life. And it came out in 46, 47, I think, that movie. And seeing on the big screen, I just, I got a whole new experience for it and a new appreciation for what a great movie that is. Not just a Christmas movie. It is an outstanding film. And uh, we're looking, we're going to be looking out for old movies that are in theaters now because that was a really fun experience. <laughs> so that was the last great thing I saw. That's good. The last great thing I saw was Maestro. Really? No, I actually kind of hated that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. Maestro, you didn't like, and and so we got to see Ferrari. Is that that's got to be something we review, yes. right? Ferrari and Boy in the Heron are the next Let's on my see list. See Ferrari next. And, it's like I'm uh, getting the that. shitty movies out of the way. It's like I saw well, Maestro. Yeah, I've seen the reviews on I Maestro. Saw May, I December. I saw yeah. Iron Claw, and none of them are anything to really write home about. I'm surprised you didn't like Iron Claw. I kind of want to see that. Well, I, I did. I liked the Iron Claw. It was a movie I could watch again. Out of the three that I watched most recently, yeah. definitely yeah. the one I would watch again. But I don't know. Just a All story. Right. That story seems like really interesting and is a lot and something that you could definitely make a movie out of. But it didn't hit me as hard as I wanted it to, and I kind of resent it for that. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it's a kind of movie where you wanna you wanna feel something at the end, mm -hmm. and, it and I did at the very very end. But um, yeah. there was a lot of things that happened before that, and I didn't really feel a lot for it. So, yeah, I really want to see Boy in the Heron. That seems really interesting, and Ferrari mm. is definitely. I'm, you know what? I'm kind of mm. banking that Ferrari is gonna like blow my socks off, and I feel vindicated about watching movies this holiday season. Because hmm. if it doesn't, I'm going to be like, oh, I just, just a utter disappointment. Ofer. It's a big Ofer holiday season for you. Yeah. All right. Well, this was a good stream of consciousness talk to wrap us up. Bring yeah. us home, Ben. This is what uh, people tune in for. Bullshit at the end. Um, so that's about it. That does it for May, December and um, <laughs> Scavengers Rain. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. And again, hit us up. Email us, message us. We love to hear from our fans, which is basically our friends and family. So you can also text, but all right. Uh, take it easy, Eric. See you, Ben. Bye.